Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Oh, perfect song. This takes me back to 1994 right now. Shoop, shoop, do my Love Soul and Pepper. Here I go, here I go, here I go. Again, girls, what's my weakness? Bad! Everybody knows the words to Soul and Pepper. Soul and Pepper and Vogue. I just heard SWV. Do you guys remember SWV? Are you guys you guys are probably too young for SWV. Do you remember SWV, Sisters with Voices? They had I know a- SVU. I saw Mariska Hargitay <laughs> the next game. Yeah. She was at the game today? She was. She was one oh. of the first people that showed Celebrity Raw. Nice. Anybody else of note? The regulars? Uh, the only regular was Tracy Morgan. No Ben Stiller, no uh, Steve Sharippa. Mm. I guess Ben Stiller's in production on Severance Season 2, so let's go. Okay. Is that the show where they like get their minds erased coming in and out of it? Or yes, yes, he's not in it though. He's just like a producer. No, he's the executive producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen that. I got to check that. I heard it was good. You oh, like, it's fantastic. You like? It? I think I think you would like it a lot. I'm sure I would. I'm sure I would. Right now, I'm into uh, showed Michael J. Fox there. Oh yeah, sure. I'm currently doing a Curb rewatch, approaching his episode, one yeah. of the greatest. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> very funny. Um, I'm watching the uh, the True Detective with uh, oh the um, the second lead from that the lead who's not Jodie Foster she was there tonight I haven't seen Sunday's oh, episode really? yet yeah me neither but yes yeah, she was at the game tonight yeah. I don't I meant to look it up now do now if she's a New Yorker at all don't know hadn't seen her in anything before True yeah. Detective yeah I don't know maybe I mean she might be, who knows she might be filming something I'm sure they're done filming that show already and plus it it's definitely filming in Alaska although it feels like Alaska. Sometimes the the weather's been just... It hasn't been that cold lately, but uh, when's the last time we saw the sun? I I feel like we haven't seen the sun in a week and a half. Easy. It's been just these gloomy, rainy... I was driving in with rain, snow, sleet kind of mix. It's just brutal. It's just brutal. It wears on you. It just wears on you. 877-337-6666. But my wife and I really liked... uh, this third season of uh, fourth season of True Detective. The second one was bad. I have to admit, I love Vince Vaughn. That one was, and I like uh, I like uh, Farrell too. Uh, what's his name? <sighs> Not Will Farrell. I'm losing my mind. The guy who's playing Colin Penguin. Farrell. Colin it took Farrell. me. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> trying Colin to think of what connection yeah. Will Farrell had yeah, to True no. Detective. No, Colin Farrell was in it, and uh, Vince Vaughn. That Rachel season, McAdams. Yeah, Ra- that. Yeah, that season. That sucked. was a disappointment. Yeah, that season sucked. But obviously, the first season of True Detective was excellent with Woody Harrelson. Um, and, uh, and then the third season was good too. You got the idea of like it being a, a, a true, uh, like a true crime thing in like a small town works. I don't know. They got away from it kind of in the second season. It became like a different kind of thing, but third season also featured one of, uh, Mike Frances's favorite actors. I feel like I should know this. I just feel like you were probably there the day that Mahershala Ali's name came up for the first time. No, I don't. In the rem- Oscar nomination. I don't remember that, no. Oh, I'll, sh- I'll show you the clip. Oh, very funny. You know, but you know who he loves, like in all seriousness, is Hugh Jackman. I remember he... Who doesn't? I know. He was just like, yeah, he, he could sing, he could dance, he can act, he, uh, 
I saw him on Broadway in The Music Man last year, and yeah. like I already knew he could sing it, and just yeah. I'm like, this this is the most talented man in the world yeah. right here. No, I know he's he's up there. He certainly is. We were going to do something with actors. You know, I, he's a little bit older, but he's in one of the movies I mentioned yesterday, and it happened to be his 94th birthday yesterday. So yesterday, someone on Twitter just, and you could also, this could be something we do too. You can hit me up on Twitter, at CMACWFAN. And if you want to ask me random questions about my favorite movie or my favorite something, maybe if I like it, I'll take it as the theme of the day, and we can kind of have that undertone throughout the entire show of, you know, whatever, my favorite this or that, and then everyone can talk about it. But yesterday, someone asked me on Twitter uh, the, the my favorite Kurt Russell movie. So for whatever reason, we started talking about Kurt Russell and all the different movies. And somehow Unforgiven came up, and I couldn't think of his name in the moment, but Gene Hackman plays Little Bill, the sheriff of the town who's hunting Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. And, and Gene Hackman's just tremendous. I love Gene Hackman. If Gene Hackman's in it, it's probably a good movie. Now, he's kind of gone into, I don't want to say hiding, but he's not in the public light anymore. He's 90, it was Yesterday was his 94th birthday. So it's a little old. I'm, I'm not playing to the demographic spike and the rest of the company probably wants to be playing into. But still, neither is Kurt Russell. So, But because it was his birthday yesterday and I mentioned him, I'll come I'll, later in the show I will tell you my favorite Gene Hackman movie. And it might not be the one you're thinking of. There's so many great ones. But Gene Hackman, do you have a favorite Gene Hackman movie? If you want to call me throughout the show, we'll sprinkle in some Gene Hackman, who I think is just absolutely terrific. 877-337-6666. Kelvin and Teaneck. What's up, Kelvin? What's going on? Man? What's up, buddy? How we doing on this Wednesday morning? Am, the Knicks are on fire. I am, I am pumped. I, just, I got back from the garden just a little while ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Everything you're saying, like I'm enjoying the ride, I'm enjoying the moment. Um, but in terms of trading, because <laughs> you know a trade deadline is right around the corner. Yes. Uh, I personally don't think we're ready to trade for a star. I don't want to trade for a star because you know we probably would have to give up like six or five first rounders. Well, I mean, depending I on who want... the star is, yeah, at least at least three. Probably more than that. Well, no, I mean. <laughs> Probably more than that. You got, it starts with it starts with at least three first round picks. It depends on what star. I don't know what stars are available that are gonna right now that you would have to give up more than that. Like honestly, I don't know who is available. Uh, Cle- was Cleveland's available. Cleveland's playing as good a basketball as the Knicks are almost right now. Same thing uh, with Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota. I mean, there was a pipe dream early on in the se- before the season started of Embiid. That would have to be an off season move, not a now move. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just yeah. I, I don't know. You know. Uh, Murray in Atlanta. I don't know if he's a five or a six pick kind of trade. I don't think he is. Um, we got a better chance of getting Brogdon, like you said earlier, yeah. than Clarkson. Clarkson, we're not getting. This is Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is not. Yeah, that's fair. Him up. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, he also likes to make moves. So I mean, it's not impossible. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> How could you not be? I mean, they've been as this is as exciting a time to be a Nick fan as we've had in a long time. I mean, they are just playing excellent basketball, and I love two things. And I've said the other one a lot. Two things that I absolutely love about this team right now, and the most recent one is. The next man up mentality that we hear forever. Certainly, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Yankee fan, everyone's hurt. Stan goes down. Next man up. 
Andrew, uh, you know, even even football. Daniel Jones goes down. Barkley goes down. Next man up. But this initial Randall goes down. Ananobi can't play. And two blowout victories. I don't care who they're against. Blowout victories. There's something about that. And when they need that secondary scorer to have DiVincenzo step right up and take it over, that's and to continue their winning ways and their dominant winning ways, that's that's awesome to see. It's a lot of fun to watch that. It's a lot of fun, especially as we're questioning the depth and we're looking to make trades to bolster the depth, to have the depth step up and still carry them to blowout victories is impressive. And then the other thing, I I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm being weird with it or not, but the idea that the OG trade impacted them instantly is, it just, I don't know. It's sexy. I, I don't know else to say it. Like, it... They, they designated a target need. They went out and, and found the player they fil- felt filled it best. They traded away two guys that the fan base was connected to and loved. I mean, probably more quickly than Barrett because they recognized he wasn't worth, uh, even the fans started to realize that he wasn't worth the third pick and it was, you know, that contract probably wasn't great. It was a way to get rid of the contract and bring in a player they loved and it immediately, changed the entire team into something completely different immediately. There's something about the immediate nature of that move. I can't think of, you know, basketball's unique in some ways about the the chemistry of just the five guys on the court at the same time. So, I mean, like, have there been moves that instantly change a baseball team? Or, like, we uh, David Justice in 2000 was a trade that carried them. David Justice was a huge trade. There's been other huge midseason trades that have buoyed teams to either championships or whatever, but the ability for that trade to transform them into something different from going to being one of the worst defensive teams in the month of December to being the best defensive team in the month of January is an amazing turnaround. I saw a stat... um, I have to apologize to the guy. Uh, I don't remember his name. He's, he was working with JJ tonight on the Geico Sports Night or Hondo, Honda Sports Night, whatever. Um, and he mentioned that it's the best defensive turnaround month-to-month in the history of the NBA. Like, they transformed into something different immediately. That is, I mean, it's just Amazing. Because as much as we love OG and what he's done here, I don't think we all still right now do we think of him as that player that transforms a team, and yet it did. Candy in New Jersey, what's up, Candy? Hey, what's up, Chris? How you doing? Enjoying the show? Oh, thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. You know, the last few callers and the last things that you were talking about fit right into everything I want to do. So shout out to the to the Knicks, show some love for what they're doing. I want to give some credit to Leon Rose, not just for what he's doing, but how he's doing it. I mm-hmm. like his silence. It's it's the best thing for a New York media who likes to kind of get in the way and infiltrate some things. It kind of has been our problem in the background, but that's just my opinion. I want to give him, the, as far as the trading goes, though, one, two, <clears throat> OG. OG spacing on offense also is what we're seeing the results, you know, of the winning basketball. 
because you, you remove a third player off the team that needs the ball to be productive. He doesn't need the ball to be productive, given Randall, given and Brunson their time and their spaces on the court. You know, basketball is about spots. Yeah. Brunson clearly has his spots. Randall has his spots. So when you have that third person in there that needs the ball for their spots, you plug in a guy who just moves, cuts right there, corner three, you know what I mean? And then what he brings to the defense, you, you'll see something like this. These immediate results, there's no fluking, fluking that. Like that. Right. That, that, with, that, Candy, I, I sorry to interrupt you for a second, Candy. What you just said, like, crystallized <laughs> what I was trying to say. It proves yeah. there's no fluke in that. It, the no. instant the instant changing of the team proves that it's that it's it's sustainable and it's and it's 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 exactly what they needed there's no fluke in transforming the team and now it's been a month so both the instant right. the instant working and now the prolonged working proves that it wasn't a fluke it was it, it so, was a great so, trade I want to say this about that though so there's been my concern with a trade. Because I'm not so sold on bringing in somebody. Well, first of all, let me say this as Knicks fans. We've always salivated and fall in love with someone else's star. And we're just, it's like we'll watch our team and we'll watch right. some progress. And then we're like in love with the, the side chick. And it's like, you know, we got to get her. We got to get her. But the way that we're building is something that our fan base hasn't seen in such a long time, if ever. I mean, we've seen it maybe here or there. But we've done We've gotten the results of the splash, as of at least right now, the results of the splash, doing it in the way that we've been building with our own guys silently just plugging the right players. When you look at that Detroit Pistons, I'm not comparing us to the Pistons of 04. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But that type of team that just kind of builds. Look, Rip Hamilton, again, another guy who does not need the ball to, to score. Or when, so when you start putting the team together the correct way to, to go with a system, You'll mm-hmm. see these types of things. So at the end of the day, I'm not really sold on bringing in another. I, I like Murray. I was disappointed when he kind of like went to Atlanta out of nowhere. And we were like, well, where is he? Why didn't we know that he was available? But for right now, I don't know that I want another guy in that lineup. We just removed RJ, who I didn't have a problem with, but he needed the ball. And I don't want to put another guy who needs the ball to disrupt what they have on offense. Now, if they get a bench player and they can add to the bench from that productive, you know, standpoint, mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. But other than that, I'm not I don't know with how they move it. I'm trusting Leon Rose. I'm hoping he's gonna do what he's been doing. And I'm cool with this slow roll and not looking at the girl over on the side bench like, Yeah, let's get you and give up everybody for you. No, let's just kinda see where we could go. And see what we can, and then for this year at least, and then we'll see in the future. Well, I mean, that's but that, but disruptive. that's that's the thing. If, they, if they're gonna need another, they, like if they don't win it this year, they they have to go out and get that superstar though. Like if you want to yeah. win, it's nice to build a system. And you pointed to the one team, you know what I'm saying? Like you pointed to the the Pistons. They, that's the one. That's the one team without a without a superstar that won a championship. The one in the last twenty five years. I'm just, I just like the thought of building and not giving everything up, Carmelo Anthony trade style, where we give everything up right at the top, where we're like, oh, oh, we need, just don't, let's see how we do it, let's be smart about it, let's not do all of this just to throw it all in the tank. Well, I, 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 jump I understand that, and again, I don't, th- I don't think the superstar is coming midseason anymore. I don't think that's happening. It could mm-hmm. come in in the offseason. They could still, bol- uh, you know, bolster the depth here with a bench player. I think that's much more likely. 
But the difference between the Carmelo Anthony trade is the Knicks weren't very good. Like the Knicks are the Knicks are very good right now. You add a superstar to this team uh by trading away first round picks. Uh I mean, I, I think it's a different feel than bringing Melo into a bad team and trying to change the franchise as opposed to bringing in a superstar into a, a well-oiled machine. So, I mean, depending on what you'd have to give up. And if you could get away with just a, a ton of first-round picks and a Fournier uh, contract, then, then yeah, I'm in. Because you need the superstar. I understand your point. If you bring in someone here who needs the ball, it it, it could disrupt some chemistry. But I think you, you – I have no problem with bringing in someone who needs the ball to run the second unit, though, when Brunson's not on the court. That I'm okay with. So I mean, there's there's such a thing, and I I, I get I get you, but Brunson was someone else's. You know, this they eyed Brunson. I know it's a free agent move, but I mean, they signed they they went out and eyed somebody else's superstar there. It's not like Brunson was drafted by the Knicks, nor was Randall. And I understand he was a throwaway. I mean, he was traded from the Lakers. Uh, he was traded here, pretty much to to use as uh, bait to make a, a mid season trade. He was he was brought here to be traded, pretty much, and then he. Uh, suddenly changed his game and emerged into what he's become here. But they do need more. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. But the the slow plan, the slow build is great, but then they got to hit a superstar in the draft. You got to bring a you got to bring a, a superstar player here if you really want to win. It's just it's 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 just a proven fact in the NBA. Could the Knicks time this thing perfectly? Be right this year. Maybe, and I'm not rooting for it by any means, but a key injury to one of these teams and they can sneak by a a second series or just, you know, you get lucky one year. I suppose it's possible, but it seems unlikely to win an NBA championship as presently constituted. As much as I don't want to put a damper on it, but right now it feels like they're as good as anybody. Uh, Let's go to E. Frank and Astoria real quick before the break. What's up, E. Frank? A Super Bowl prediction. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah, you know, I think the Kansas City Chiefs uh, really worked this year. Uh, they came out of the trenches. And I would just like to say San Francisco was too aggressive with the Detroit Lions. Uh, they ex- thought that the Detroit Lions were going to just sit there, win the NFC Championship by just sitting there, and then San Francisco worked them over in the last two quarters of the, of the game. So I, I think that Pat Mahomes will... Uh, and the Chiefs with uh, Coach Reed will win forty-six to ten uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Wow, you you expect a complete blowout in the game? Oh yeah, I think so. I think it's like a, a payback, man. Um, yeah, I don't know about that, E. Frank. A payback for what? <laughs> payback. What are the who are the Chiefs paying back? Tom Brady no longer plays. That's their only playback payback. And then I guess you know payback to Burrow. But they beat the 49ers. Unless I missed something in your... I was reading something. I didn't hear how you explain it's a payback. Okay, yeah, the 49ers haven't played well. And too aggressive against the... I think... Yeah, I mean, the Lions were too aggressive against the 49ers in some ways. Uh, at least that's that's the prevailing thought coming out of it. Which, by the way, our man Nick Costos uh, for Odyssey, you better uh, you better you bet... He does some stuff Sundays here on the fan. He's on a lot of the shows. I got to bring him on one of these days. I love I love Nick. I think he does a tremendous job. And he had, 
you want to go to Nick Costos on Twitter, he had a tremendous rant about the people who talk about uh, take the three points. It was a tremendous rant. He's 100% correct. He's 100% correct. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if he's 100% correct saying that Campbell was right in going for the for the for going for it on fourth down. I think you can make a valid argument that he should have kicked it necessarily. But the argument of he turned, he didn't take the three points given him is ridiculous. Those three points are not guaranteed. He did not, he did not snub his nose at three points. You still have to go out there, snap it, hold it, kick it from 48 yards with a kicker you don't really love that much and get it through the uprights. Like that still has to happen. You don't just push a button and and take the three points and line up for kickoff. You have to make the kick. And so the idea that people continue to say, oh, you take the three points. Like the, the three points weren't necessarily there to just be taken. I mean, he he's 100% in on Campbell going for it in every situation. That's Nick's. They, a lot of people are like that. Go for it. Be aggressive. Win the game. And that's how Dan Campbell is in many ways. So, But I don't know if, I don't know if it was 100% correct in doing what he did, but it is 100% bullcrap from all the people who tell you Dan Campbell just uh, – you know, decided to leave three points out there. He chose to go a different path. Those three points are not guaranteed. 877-337-6666. Bill, I see you. We'll continue to take your Nick calls. We will get into the Mets and some of their decision-making. We'll get into the Giants. we got plenty of time to do it. I'll still take your Nick calls because right now it's a Nick town. Eight in a row. Alone. Third place in the Eastern Conference. And looking like they're ready to take on anybody. Hopefully OG comes back. From this elbow injury against the Pacers tomorrow. And hopefully one of these days in the near future, probably tomorrow, later today maybe, we'll get news on Randall and hopefully the news will be what everybody seems to be speculating, that it is weeks, not months, and that hopefully not major damage done to the ligaments inside his shoulder and he should be ready to go within plenty of time for the playoff push. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Oh, all this music from the mid-early 90s. Apropos the way the Knicks are. Playing like that mid-90s team. So again, not to beat a dead horse about this Dan Campbell situation and everything, but I do find it interesting. I mentioned Nick Costos and the rant about taking three points. And I feel like, and I felt like this, and I, and I referenced it as well, and Greg Olson, obviously f- uh, former lead uh, analyst for Fox now that Tom Brady's going to be taking over, he's getting bumped down to two, but he does a tremendous job. And he insinuated the same thing I had, which is a double standard inside the argument for many of the people who will argue that Dan Campbell blew the game and should have taken the three points, which, again, the three points were not given to him. He would still have to snap the ball, kick the ball, and make it through. And... You know, the biggest argument, and this is the, 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 the tweet that Greg Olson sent out yesterday, and he's 100% correct. He tweeted, the biggest criticism used against analytics is that it doesn't take into account the team or the situation, which is what everyone says. 
Oh, so what? Are, like I saw the big rant from Michael Wilbon about the two point conversion. So we've seen a bunch of people reference this with analytics. Oh, oh so if it's me and you out there, oh, well, it doesn't take the situation. That's just every team. Certain teams are better at it. Some teams are worse at it. They don't care. It's all in the middle. They don't take it in this situation. That's the big argument against it. Well, they don't ever take into account with this field goal kicker. Everyone acts like the three points are just a guarantee. When the fact of the matter is he he's not Tucker. He's not Butker. He's not one of the best. Even Greg the Leg with the Jets, he's not one of the great kickers in the NFL. Michael Bad, uh, Badgley, in his career, from 48 yards plus, which I think both kick, it would have been 46 and 48, the two, the two kicks they passed on. From 48 yards or further, he's 45% to make that kick. Now, from 40 to 49, which is a big gap, he's 77%. But I'm sure from 40 to 45, that's much bigger than 45 to 49. So the numbers are whatever. The point being is that that kicker is not guaranteed to make that kick. The odds of getting that fourth down as opposed to making that field goal are not that dramatically different. But nobody ever wants to take into account that part of it. It's always just, well, he blew, he passed up on three points. Not necessarily. He passed up on an opportunity at three points. And when you kick the field goal, you pass up on an opportunity of seven. Like, you have to look at it that way. And earlier in the game, San Francisco missed the field goal. Instead of going for it on short and fourth. Fourth and short, excuse me. You take your chances. All of it is a, you know, a gamble. None of it is given. So all of these people that are telling you Campbell made the terrible decision, oh, my God, you got to kick it. You got to take the three points. The I'll give you, at the end of the half, when he took the three points, that's a gimme. You want to give me a 25-yard field goal? That's an extra point? Yes, that is... That would be passing up on three points. A 48-yard field goal and deciding to go for it on fourth and short as opposed to kicking a 48-yard field goal with a kicker who is 45% from 48 yards. That is not passing up on three points. That is passing up on an opportunity of three points. And just like taking that three points is passing up on an opportunity for seven, or at least a better chance at make at a makeable field goal. The everything you got to take all of it into account, and nobody seems to. Only, all they do is, oh, they, oh you got to take this. You got to take the situation. Numbers they can't tell you everything. You got to take the situation into account. The situation into account, but they don't want to take into the account that the field goal kick was not any good. They picked them up a month ago. We don't want to take that into account. The three points were given. It's stupid. It's short sighted. It's hypocritical. It's preposterous. It's ridiculous. I forget the, all the things the, the lawyer said on Seinfeld. Right? It's, it's preposterous. It's ridiculous. It's Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. 877-337-6666. We can get back into those games if you'd like and and preview the Super Bowl. E. Frank thinks the, 49, uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are going to absolutely kill it. And I have a problem right now with the bookmakers. I looked at this real quick because after E. Frank said that, I want to go back and check where the <clears throat> where the line is. So <clears throat> I just I have a, I have a curious question. How is this possible? 
as soon as the, the championship game ended, as soon as the San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions, I went to my book on my phone. And the Kansas City Chiefs were plus two and a half. And I took the Kansas City Chiefs at two and a half, and I took the Kansas City Chiefs money line. The Kansas City Chiefs are currently plus one and a half. When they were two and a half, I took them on the money line at plus 108. So they are, and they are currently plus 112. How is that possible? How could they be, and maybe if you're a better, if you're a more experienced gambler than I, maybe you can explain it to me. How could you be favored? Or how could you be underdog by a point less and have better odds on the money line? That doesn't make any sense to me. At plus two and a half, they were they were plus one oh eight money line, but at plus one and a half, they're plus one twelve money line. That doesn't make any sense. The number should be bigger with the the larger deficit you expected them to lose. Like the higher the plus number should be, the better the money line number should be. How did I get a lesser deal? And now I can't cash out because the line isn't as good. Or the number isn't the same, so the cash out isn't even. They want me to cash out for less than my money, but I'm not doing that. But I got a worse number with a better line. How is that possible? Now I'm mad. Now I'm frustrated. I it should be, it should be less. It, it you shouldn't make more money on the money line if they're favorite. Like I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. Bill in Long Beach, what's up, Bill? Good morning, T-Mac. How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? All right. Um, sorry to uh, jump around on you, but... I no, you, I, I've been jumping around. No, you go ahead, Nick. Let's go. Yeah, I wanted to follow up with something you were talking about earlier. Um, I think, if I heard you correctly, you were saying that you think even when Mitch comes back, you keep Ihard in the starting lineup, and I, I don't disagree with that, I guess. But um, one thing I was trying to think about is, you know, uh, Ihart is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, certainly seems like it's going to be difficult to keep both of them in this uh, on the yeah. team. I could be wrong, but but how do you? Uh, w- w- what's making you say you keep him in the starting lineup? I agree, he's got a little bit more offensive dynamism. Um, but uh, you know, you, 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 again, next year's next year. But what do you do in the meantime? Um, and does well, it matter what's going to happen next year? You know. Okay. Well, all right. Well, let me. I guess it's kind of two different questions. What? Do, why do I think that you keep him in the starting lineup, and then what do I do in the off season? Uh, the reason I keep him in the starting lineup is because the team has been playing better since that change was made. Now it doesn't necessarily mean it's because of that change, but right now I wouldn't want to. I don't think it's enough of an upgrade because I like Hartenstein's getting the rebounds. Hartenstein's got some blocks. You probably get a couple more blocks with um, with Mitchell Robinson uh, and maybe a couple more rebounds because he was rebounding great. But Hartenstein's kind of stepped up and done that. Plus, he gives you a little bit more offensively, but mainly. Because they've been on this run with him in the lineup, and when you, I just I he's not so much of an upgrade that I would risk me- mixing with the messing with the chemistry that has developed with Hart- Hartenstein as the as the as the guy. And for me, moving forward, then the question would be, if I had to, you know, I, right now, unfortunately, Mitch can't stay healthy. Mitchell Robinson cannot stay healthy. So, um, you know, I I would, you know, I'm I gotta what's the day? What's his contract situation? 
Mitch, I think he's, if I remember correctly, he's got three more years. Yeah, they, they signed him to a contract, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, I so mean, he's that, got at least two more, maybe three. And that's the thing, right? Like that contract, you, to your point, you can't stay healthy. But if he yeah. stays healthy, that contract doesn't look too bad. Whereas if you want to if you want to try to keep iHeart, it's going to cost you. you know? And they got the room, but still. Yeah, no, you're right. no, I mean, I have no problem. Yeah, he signed through the 25-26 season. So he's got two more years after this one. Um yeah, I mean, I, that, that's a tricky situation. I, 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 Then it makes it easy. You keep Mitchell Robinson and you move on from uh, iHeart at the end of the year, I suppose, if they can't keep both. But right now, I wouldn't mess with what they got. Like, that's my main point. I wouldn't mess with what they have right now. When he comes back, I mean, listen, I'm not saying it's strictly all Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson barely plays, but I wouldn't go right back into Mitchell as the starting center and, and I hearts off the bench and barely and, and the minutes are uh, at such a discrepancy. I, I think I wouldn't mess with it right now, not the way they're playing. I just wouldn't. 877-337-6666. We've got a couple of, uh, no calls on it yet, but I have gotten a couple of things on <clears throat> Gene Hackman. <clears throat> and it's, I told you, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm going to give you a different one, necessarily. Uh, I'm going to give you two different ones that probably aren't going to be on a lot of lists. But um, Quick and the Dead, best movie. The Rock 89 says Quick and the Dead is Gene Hackman's best movie. Now, Gene Hackman isn't the star of that movie. It's kind of a... It's got a great cast. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio. It's got um, Sharon Stone, who's kind of the lead of that movie. And then... um, I'm losing my mind. What's his name? One best actor for Gladiator. I'm losing my mind. Um, where's Quick and the Dead? I can't even find Quick and the Dead. What year was Quick and the Dead? Oh, there it is. So it's, yeah, it's um, Russell Crowe. I can't believe I can't think of Russell Crowe's name. Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio. That was a good movie. Solid movie. It would not be my best favorite Gene Hackman movie. And the character of Gene Hackman isn't... It's all right. Uh, Paulie Pepperoni, which is a great name. His top five. French Connection, which is obviously a very famous movie. Probably, I think, would be on a lot of people's favorite for um, Gene Hackman. Then, of course, Hoosiers. Many considered, widely considered, the greatest sports movie of all time. Mississippi Burning, excellent movie. Him and Willem Dafoe. Are tremendous in it. Crimson Tide, him and uh, Denzel Washington in a submarine. And then the Royal Tenenbaums, which is a uh, avant-garde type uh, comedy. Uh, West, what's his name? The director? I gotta look that up too. Uh, Wes Anderson. He's got that same kind of vibe to all his movies. Uh, excellent choices. Again, would not is is not going to be my choice, oddly enough. I'll get to my favorite Gene Hackman, but I'll take calls on it. 877 877- Three three seven sixty six sixty six. Jim in Center Reach. What's up, Jim? Hey, I want to talk about a new movie that's out, but I don't want to give away the movie. A lot of people haven't seen it. Called The Hill. Uh, you might have heard of it about a baseball player back in nineteen yes. seventy. Yeah, right, I so did I say it's with uh, uh, Quaid, right? Dennis Quaid is yeah, the father. It was excellent. It was good. All right, so I I don't want to give the movie away because a lot of people want to see it, and I recommend it. Anyway, in the movie. They used an expression from Texas. I went to school in Texas at that time. 
play basketball. And they use the phrase, hard scrabble people. Hard scrabble. About three or four times. And the kid was brought up roughly. Hard blah, blah, blah. scrabble? Um, hard scrabble. Okay. My coach at Marquette, Al McGuire, played 10 years in the NBA. All he was was hard scrabble. And all he coached for us at two years in the late 60s, hard scrabble. The Knicks today are hard scrabble. They are loaded with four or five guys that are from that mold of not fighters, not that, I'm not getting into that, tough, yeah. tough players. I mean, really tough. Al, Al preached it because he, he was supposedly the only guy that ever handled uh, Bob Cousy. But that was his reputation. And I know how he did it because I was in a gym with him. And, and he held you. He pushed you. He did this. He did that. No fights. I'm not even talking about that. No, I got you. But hard scrabble is the Knicks. Hawkenstein, uh, there's five of them, at least. Maybe six. Yeah. Uh, Randall, for sure. I mean, you, no one wants to handle Randall when he gets down low. He, he'll just, you know, he's just going to go into you and knock the hell out of yeah. you. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one. And then they add OG, who who's the better defensive player than any of them. And, you know, he doesn't give any quarter to anyone. Uh, it really, really, uh, it, it's fun to watch, especially since my Al McGuire days. It brings me right back. It just brings me right back that it, these guys are not going to take anything from anyone. I mean, yeah. and if you push one of them, like they did the other day, they pushed uh, Brunson. Uh, that's, that's not good with you. Those guys are not going to take that. And yeah. uh, I just wanted to say that that's the Knicks. Hard scrabble. I mean, they're not Rick Mount. No, I get you. Uh, Listen, great and, shooters. You know, it's just your, not like, yeah. I got you. In your day, and thank you for the call, Jim. In your day, it was called hard scrabble. In today's day, it's called dudes and dogs, apparently, if you listen to Lugie. The, the Knicks have dudes and dogs, and they're down a dude, they're down a dog, and yet they still are, you know, dominating teams right now. So, I mean, that's kind of the hard scrabble, hard fought. Yeah, they play defense. That's exactly what's going on right now. No doubt about it. It's not It's not necessarily, you know, it's not, it's not the Golden State Warriors, although they, you know, this team, like every team, shoots threes, but it's not like... It's not a finesse team. It's not a, you know, they are gritty. They're tough. They defend. They've done a, a really nice job building this team, and they're fun to root for. They're not quite the the hard scrabble of the early 90s, but right now they're playing. I mean, that's, you know, Mason and, and Oakley. I mean, that's the, I would think, the definition. If I were to Google hard scrabble right now, there would be a picture of of, of Mason and Oakley. So it's a, it's a little bit different. But because the game is different, you can't play like that anymore. Can't have the Jordan rules. Can't be Bill Lambeer in the NFL anymore, in the NBA anymore. Excuse me, but they're about as tough as they come, no doubt about it. Matt in Morristown, what's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, buddy? Good. Listen, I got a movie for you, but first of all, uh, I agree with you that the Ravens embarrass themselves more, but the Lions, the coach has got to. I, I agree with you in part. They play with their philosophy and everything, but. He's got to see it to you're missing to the full 100. I think you're like 99% there, but he's got to recognize they've never been to the Super Bowl, and it's for the city and everything with so much into it. they got to at least kick that field goal to tie it, knowing they had some offensive momentum too. Even if San Fran scored, there was time left. You know what I mean? No, I, mean, I, I understand that, but again, he's, he thinks everything you just said. He agrees with everything you just said up until the point of kicking the field goal. He thinks going for it, is recognizing they haven't been to a Super Bowl 
in history. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he views it differently. Yeah. He doesn't see, and again, that field goal kicker is 45% from 48 yards. Like, it's not a guarantee they make that field goal. He wants to go in there and win. He doesn't want to tie the game against the better team that's been dominating the second half. He wanted to go in there, score a touchdown, take more time off the clock, and make San Francisco to come back down the field and score the touchdown as opposed to kicking the ball back to them when his defense hasn't stopped them the entire second half and give them a, give them the ball with six minutes left in a tie game. Yep. He viewed it differently yep. than you do. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not necessarily saying he's wrong. I'm just saying the idea that he just left points on the board or I got, or that he didn't, he's got to recognize, I'll disagree with your point that he's got to recognize what it means to the city. I think he absolutely does. I think that's okay. why he went in there and said, I'm, I'm going to go win this game and not play for a tie. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, point taken, but um, in my Super Bowl prediction, then I'll get to my movie. My Super Bowl yeah. prediction is, I think it's a choke job for the Niners just because the coach, I think, you know, just like <laughs> last year, they'll be down and they'll come back. In the second half, Mahomes always make it, makes adjustments that happen. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I was thinking about that. I, I got not, a movie for you. I would not be surprised. Ab- absolute if, Power. Yeah. Absolute Power is a great movie. Yes. Yeah, when he plays the evil president. And uh, yep. Clint Eastwood's also on that movie. Yes, yep. he is. Yep. Yes, he is. Right. Clint Eastwood's the right, lead. Yep. You, you got it, buddy. Again, not my favorite Gene Hackman movie. I have a weird one. It's not a weird one. I. It's just. I love his character in it for whatever reason. It's a little bit different off the beaten path for him a little bit. Um, and I just, I, for whatever reason, I always love the movie. And I'll give you a hint. See if you guys can guess it. This is what we do at one fifty in the morning. See if you guys can guess uh, my favorite Gene Hackman movie. He is not the lead, and there was a sequel to it that he was not a part of, but there was a sequel to this movie that was arguably the worst thing I've ever seen. But the original movie, I thought he was terrific in it, and I and I really I love the movie. Uh, I thought it was it's just a, it's one of my favorites. Love it. Alan in Atlanta, what's up, Alan? Hey, how's it going, Chris? Uh, I know you were talking about Kurt Russell tonight. Um, earlier today, I was watching a show yeah, yesterday yeah. called Monarchs. Yeah, uh, Monarchs with uh, my mother. It does have Kurt Russell in it and his son. They both play the same character. It's just from different times of of the character you know like his yeah, younger yeah. son of course played a younger version for him. i got you yeah 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 so and i was when, wondering if you when was this monarch yeah oh, i guess Mon- Mon- like, like, oh it's like now yeah monarchs uh i believe they already just filmed the first season Hold oh, on, it's the, oh it's that godzilla thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i was wondering if you was up onto that because it's actually I, been pretty good i am not uh and i see now it's on apple it's the the one streaming service I haven't. I've got his app. You like it, Fleegman? Seen it? Yeah, and it's not a spoiler, but Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell, his son, play the same character at different times. Yeah, that's what he, the caller just said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't have I don't have Apple, but I would. I, it sounds good. It looks. It's got good. It's seven out of ten on IMDb, and I like Kurt Russell. I think Kurt Russell does a, a, a tremendous job. His son sounds just like him, bro. Does he really? It's it's it's, un, it's uncanny, bro. Like it's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. All right, cool. Do you have a favorite Gene Hackman movie? Nah, not really. Not I'm, right. I'm too young for that. Too young for Gene Hackman? <laughs> never too young. Although he hasn't. Gene Hackman's. Do you know what Gene Hackman's last movie he did in 2004? The last thing he ever did was Welcome to Mooseport with. With uh, Ray Barone, as I like to call him, but obviously Ray uh, Romano. I know it's Ray Romano. 
um, Everybody Loves Raymond's Ray Romano, and where he plays a former president who comes to some, you know, no-name town, Mooseport, Alaska, or Indiana, I don't know, wherever. And he runs for the local mayor because he's trying to get back into the political scene. I forget whatever it is, and he takes on uh, Ray Romano. And there's also a love interest. It's a terrible little comedy. But, hey, that's the last yeah, thing. Wasn't uh, more Tierney in that and Rip Torn? Yes. Rip Torn played his, like, uh, campaign manager. Right. One of his campaign managers. More yes. Tierney was, like, uh, the love interest, I think. Yeah. He had a couple of uh, Runaway Jury with um, was an excellent movie, too. Uh, had a great cast in it as well. Had... Um, uh, John Cusack and um, Hoffman. Dustin His Hoffman. last great role will will be Royal Tenenbaums, right? <laughs> Unless people really love Welcome to Booseport. No, I, I Runaway Jury. He was he was pretty good in it. Um, I guess yeah. And that was after Tenenbaums. Yes, that was after. I guess it would probably be that Royal Tenenbaums would probably be his last most. I guess iconic role because that movie was you know successful, but I'm trying to look at his the replacements obviously is he had a really good last like five he years did. before he, he just set, like he quit while he was still at the top of his game. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. The last you know from I guess you could say absolute power, but I, I, my movies from the mid nineties that I, I particularly love. Marcus in Manhattan. What's up, Marcus? One call before the top. What's up, hey. bud? Hey guys, yeah, so I know the movie. As soon as you said it, as soon as you said offbeat, I knew the movie you were talking about. It's, it's Get Shorty. As Get, soon as you said it, I knew it. I, I love, love I, I love Get Shorty. I, I, oh my goodness. I, it's such a great movie. John, John Travolta oh, is the lead. He plays like a, a lone shark who has to come out west to California. And um, oh. Gene Hackman is a movie writer and producer, mainly like B, B movie horror flicks or whatever. Yeah. And and it's yeah. just he it's it's Gene Hackman plays like a kind of a little bit of a bumbling idiot, terrible with money, yeah. makes makes all the bad decisions. There's actually a role for Tony Soprano in it too. James Gandolfini yeah, yeah. James Gandolfini oh. is a like a henchman uh, of of one of the guys He's looking for man. money. Yep. Stuntman, yeah. It, was, it it is uh Martin Weir is the actor played by um yeah. uh played Danny by my DeVito. guy Danny DeVito. Just a tremendous yeah. movie. I love Get Shorty. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I watch it, I have it on DVD, I watch it from time to time. I love Get Shorty. Now it's not his best performance, and I, I I it's my personal favorite. I know it's not Gene Hackman's best movie, but I love Get Shorty. Always have. And I just it's one of my favorite movies. And then they did a sequel. With The Rock was in it. Um, it was just awful. Uh, uh, well, I just said his name. Vince Vaughn played like a, I guess for lack of a better term, a pimp in it. He was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. The, 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 re, the, the Get Shorty sequel was awful, but the original I love. I love the original. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Talk a little Gene Hackman. We'll talk some Knicks, but on the next uh, when we get back, we do have to get to the Mets because I got to be honest with you. Not that Turner is not that Justin Turner is the greatest baseball player ever, or that they can't live without him, or that there aren't still options at DH. But the idea that the Mets continue to sit this off season out 
and do not make any. They need another bat for this team. And I'm sorry. I know I'm not a, and everyone tells me, I tweeted out, don't worry about your Yankees. If I'm a Met fan right now, why does nobody care about the 2024 Mets? Why does nobody care? Why don't the Mets care? Why don't you care? I don't understand. I'm baffled. I continue to be baffled by this offseason. And now that Justin Turner's gone to Toronto, we got to get into it.